Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. The big push for people to return to the office is the argument that spontaneous interaction is critical to the growth of the business. Now, the fear is that people are not communicating and that has hindered innovation. However, let's look at the number of fully remote companies who have been thriving throughout the past few years. The big differentiator is structure and setting up the interaction channels to foster communication. Now, mastering the interview has been more challenging as it is more difficult to read nonverbal cues and interactions. As we have grown more comfortable with this method of interviewing, the structure of consistent interview questions has been the single most important element in hiring success. I'm Rick Gerard, welcome to the Hire Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing the insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders, like our guest today, Mr. David Wall. David is the co-founder and CEO of Acclaimment, an insight-driven workflow solution for safety and risk management. As CEO, David's primary focus is driving the company's vision, identifying and executing strategic partner and customer relationships, and growing the Acclaimment team and investor base. The company has been remote first for the past eight years. Prior to Acclaimant, David spent time with the Lightmark Venture Capital Fund in Chicago on both the investment team and as an operator in EIR. He is also a management consultant for Bain and Company. David graduated from the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan and currently resides in Chicago with his wife and three kids, which is what makes David the perfect expert for today's topic. David, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate being here. Pleasure to have you. All right, so we're going to have some fun because I often get this question about how hard it is to have people in a remote environment. I know companies that thrive in it, and I know companies that fail miserably at it. Ultimately, what it comes down to is what are the values of the company and what will allow people to be aligned in either of those scenarios, right? Some businesses, you can't have people remote. Yep. Fortunately, you have that business that you can have remote workflow. So how do you do it? Uh, try, trial, error, blood, blood, sweat, and tears. You know, it, it's definitely, uh, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where it took us about eight years to really figure out how to do remote. But I think if you build it into the core, the essence of what you do and you plan to be remote versus just happen to be remote, you can definitely make it work. What's critical in a remote interviewing and workforce environment and then how to fuel communication away from the water cooler, so to speak. We don't have a water cooler when we're- It's virtual. Let's start out with a hiring story. You shared with me a really funny story about a hire that actually worked out. Really quickly, kind of run me through that. Yeah, and um, I'm sure he's going to hate that I share this. But um, so the story goes basically, we're just getting started out. Um, we get a referral for our first potential salesperson from one of our investors. Real like high flyer, you know, up, up at one of the, uh, the big SaaS companies, you know, a director of sales there talking about joining. Great interviews. We get to the end and he looks at me and he's like, you know, this is great. I'm up for a huge promotion. Honestly, I make too much money and like, I love what you're doing, but like, there's no reason I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And I was like, God, oh. I was like, but I'm like, Ooh, uh, it's like, you should definitely meet one of my brother's really good friends from high school. And I was like, uh, okay. So my brother's really good friend. That's like my sister's cousin. Like I was wife. Right. <laughs> right. Like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm taking, but you know, you could totally go out with my friend over here. He's they're great. Um, so we like, uh, 
It's like, fine, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to this guy. Like, sure. Yeah. Um, on, on the way to the interview, it's the first interview is at, at a coffee shop in Chicago, beautiful summer day, walking over to the interview. Um, we're like a block and a half from the coffee shop and like skies open up like wrath of God, Noah's Ark type flood happens. Um, it's a hot summer day. I'm wearing just you know, like a white, like a white button down um, to go to this meeting. And so we show up to this meeting, this interview with this guy's brother's high school friend. He's probably like, who are these guys? Drenched to the bone. Um, basically <laughs> like white, like, like wet t-shirt context, uh, contest, like wet. Um, sit down. And the guy's like, I love it. It's great. And he it was, our, was our first salesperson. Is now our director of sales. He, you know, he's killed it for, for five, six years for us now. But I mean, definitely getting there was... Uh, it was interesting, interesting to say the least. You know, that's just a fun story. I love sharing these these scenarios that happen or entertaining as all hell sometimes. <laughs> you went from a wet t-shirt contest. Maybe that wet t-shirt contest would attract you to the guy, to your company. Who knows? Never know. Whatever. It, gotta be different in hiring, right? You know that. <laughs> so let's talk about the challenge with this today. Like some of the challenges we talked offline and you shared with me this idea of artificial collision. What are artificial collisions and why are they important? Yeah, so I think one of our investors uh, who, who led our Series A always talked about the risk of our model was that um, th there's no collisions, right? And so the idea in a business is if people are in the same physical space, right? I'm sitting next to Rick, we go to the water cooler, we have lunch, we're walking out to get a beer after work. And I make a, a comment, of, oh, you know, I was talking to customer X today, they said these couple things, I know you're in marketing, CS, implementation, but like you should be, oh, that's great, by the way, I was, and so you see these like, offline non-scheduled information sharing that allows people to create feedback loops, which creates iterations. Iterations create progress, progress with innovation, innovation creates winning. The idea is that those happen completely organically in historical legacy environments. When you're in a remote environment, there's no opportunity for me to see you unless I'm actually scheduled or have a way to go ahead and get to you. Um, so, you know, it, it's the couple of big things, right? So, you know, Zoom is good for two. If you have 10 people on a Zoom call, I can't like take a side conversation. Um, you know, if I have more than four people in a meeting, like people are not nearly talk over each other. There's no feedback loops and people feel disconnected. So this idea of artificial collisions is one that's really on the idea of, okay, how do I create meaningful, quick connectivity points to enable rapid information sharing to create the spontaneous innovation that I need to survive in a remote first environment. The fear that your investors shared with you is, is real, but why was it important to him that you have that collaboration? How did you change his mind on that shift? Yeah, well, so I, I think we had been doing it for, for four or five years at that point in time. Um, and you know what we kind of started to talk about was that it, it wasn't by mistake that we were doing this. There's a number of reasons that like people love remote, right? You can hire better talent. You don't have to always kind of like find people in the most expensive market where you may be. Right. You can find like the perfect person for your job. You can find people who, you know, you can actually provide a better work life balance for. Um, and I think across the board, that's the benefit of remote, which I think they understood. Um, but they also knew that like we were doing things that I think help to go ahead and, and make this work. Right. So, um, you know, we weren't having any passive actors of people who were like, you know, waiting for things. Um, we had to have proactive collaborators. Um, and we kind of found ways to make sure we did things like, um, you know, onboarding um, the right way um, and making sure that we're kind of, uh, you know, spending a lot of time to focus on how this works because we felt like this was the way we wanted to run the business as opposed to more of the traditional sense. At the root of the issue here is communication. How do we foster this communication? You're a good example of somebody who fueled that communication. I mean, it's fueled by leadership. You can't just expect that ideally that's magically happened. Yep. 
Absolutely agree. And I can see why this fails in a lot of company environments where there are traditional work environments, because a lot of the leadership doesn't really communicate down most of the time. They're busy kind of doing their own thing. Yep. Completely agree. I think, you know, one of the things that we've always tried to find is the idea of, you know, over communicating of like taking the extra, you know, 10 or 20 seconds to explain things. And I think we kind of had this highly collaborative working style from the very beginning. And I think that that's kind of, I think, our, our core bread and butter. We have a we have a philosophy we call you, know, you break it, you buy it, um, which is totally the wrong name for it, but it sounds good in interviews. But the idea is that anybody who has a good idea is empowered to go ahead and execute that idea, but just recognizing that like, we don't have extra resources to go and do it. So people like, if you want to see positive change, you're empowered to go do that. But that same idea of like proactive from me pushing forward, I think is really kind of the, the core bread and butter of, of kind of how we think about culture at Acclaim. So very true. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find your link to order your copy of Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your company's secret weapon to landing the strongest talent. Our guest today is David Wald. We are talking about the concept of artificial collisions in a remote workforce. We just talked a little bit about what it is, some of the resistance you've got, and let's talk about how we actually can implement this into our company. So what do we need first? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of things that are super important. And I think overall being, you know, uh, I, the first step, especially in a remote environment where everyone is behind technology is, is the right tooling. So I think for us, you know, tooling is the key because tooling is kind of what creates the ability to have all of those artificial collisions as we kind of go. One of the challenges is that I think if people have the right tooling or they have tooling in place and they just don't utilize it properly. Yep. Yeah. No, I, th I think it's very well said. That goes back to leadership every time, because if you're not driving it, first and foremost, as the leader, you can't expect everybody else to do it. Yep. No, I agree. Let's talk about what tools we should be putting into place. What do you guys use? Yeah, so I think our, our, our big four stack, um, really each each accommodates kind of one specific piece of connectivity. So Slack, right, internal messaging connectivity, Zoom, internal video and meeting connectivity, interviews over Zoom, um, again, for how we connect with candidates. Um, and for us, our internal collaboration and knowledge base is Notion. Um, the idea for each of these is that we're working really hard to make sure we're kind of driving people and driving the culture to ask people to connect the right way. So if you have a quick ping for someone, put it in Slack. We have a question about a customer. We're creating the right threads to every project, every customer, um, every kind of communication, every team has its own Slack channel. So we have like 7,000 Slack channels to make sure things are all, all kind of going the right way. Now, do you guys use any sort of like system like an EOS or something like that to build accountability into how you guys run your day-to-day? -day? Or is that done through Notion? Um, not, yeah, so it's, it's mostly done through Notion. Um, and so for us, it, Notion is kind of a multi-dimensional tool where we have both information, what are all of our core processes is, what's going on with all of our core project and project tracking, um, what's the latest information about every team. So we're going to be really using Notion as that kind of like uh, ubiquitous information sharing center. It's kind of got enough flexibility to be a really helpful tool, but enough like um, structure to kind of make sure that the things we're doing, we can do consistently and in a helpful way. That's where everything's being documented. Yep, absolutely. Let's go back to Slack. I feel like a lot of people use Slack, but how do you properly set up Slack or how did you set up Slack in such a way that really will foster that communication? Yeah, yeah. it took a lot of like headaches and a lot of people to get Slack right. Um, I think, you know, we before this, I, I used Google Gchat and then we use Messenger and all kinds of nonsense before that. Um, 
The nice thing about Slack is I think, so, so Slack's really easy to use, but I think it takes a lot of training of the team to figure out how to do it. So the first issue you get with Slack is people will use Slack like email. So they run a huge long email on Slack and you're like, don't do that. <laughs> because once, once it hits, it's gone. I will never see it again. So if you need something from me, email me. The second thing is that you have noise because too many people are using the same thing. Like we have a general channel. People are putting information about birthdays and babies and customers and get-togethers and meetups and news articles. And before you know it, everyone's leaving a channel. <laughs> and so like that, that for me is always the cue. When someone leaves the channel, they're like, okay, there's too much stuff in here. Let's go ahead and split it out. So we've gone through and tried to create the right set of like channels for everything that we do and try and drive people to those channels so you can get the right information that you need. It's with the people who want to see those things. And what it does, they're creating like these single topic channels, whether it's people who like to Peloton together, people who want to be in book club, people who want to know about our uh, employee resource group, people who want to know about a claim in the news, people who want to know about open jobs or about a customer. All those things are all done to be, again, single purpose channels. And then we teach the team as they come in, you know, hey, if you have a question about a customer, like put it in the right channel. And again, good things happen. And so people then use them. So put it in the customer channel. Exactly. Put it in that customer's channel. How many channels, though, do you have running at a time? Oh, there's, there's probably a couple hundred easily. <laughs> but, the good, but, the, but the good thing is everyone knows where they go. They're looking for a customer, right? We abbreviate C-U-S-T, type in a customer's name, boom, it's right there. You want to look up stuff about, you know, the book club, type in book club, boom, it's right there. So people are subscribed to all the right channels and we just keep making more and more. And the good news is it's noisy, but you see a pop for everything that you're part of. So you kind of get the right information at the right time. When you want to find out about something, you know right where to go every time. Let's talk about Zoom in the interviews. I want to delve into how you guys interview. Basically, we've just taken our normal interview, which is where you want to be in five years and tell me what you want to be when you grow up and those common questions. And then now it's just gone to Zoom. What do you guys do differently in your Zoom interviews that helps you to stand out? So I, I think it's a couple things, but again, I think it, it comes back to the idea of being deliberate. And I'll, I'll also kind of fully acknowledge that we talked about this you know, two or three years ago. We, we did the typical startup interview. Everybody has a conversation with Rick. Everyone thinks Rick is great. Every fit interview is awesome. And then we <laughs> hire Rick and, and, and no one's skill tested Rick. No one's done back. And we're like, oh my God, why did Rick get hired? A little to know <laughs> that would have been a really bad hire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends what it's for. Um, but, you know, I, I think we, we've gotten really scientific in our approach. And we have a phenomenal head of people in Wellness uh, Princess um, who like really forced us to be deliberate in our approach. So, Every person in the interview is, is working through something very specific and very deliberate. And we do the combination of both, you know, person to person, face to face fit screens, person to person, like a little bit of like a selling process and part of it to help people understand why they should be wanting to work here. Um, and then we also will do, you know, um, a prep and a presentation for every candidate to kind of help see what's going on and kind of how they're approaching um, working in this job. So over the course of the interview, we will kind of make sure we round out the skill testing for every different piece that we think is relevant for them, personal fit, drive, um, you know, uh, skills that are previous and how they think about approaching a problem that's relevant. So we get to the end, we feel like we have a good feel for it, both if the candidate is going to be successful here and if we actually want the candidate to work here based on kind of how they've performed across the different things we're talking about. You're taking kind of a different method of essentially like extracting some evidence to support whether or not somebody should be hired. Yeah. Absolutely. And that every every interview is, is, again, incredibly deliberate. I think that that's the moral story for remote. Remote is everything has to be deliberate because you can't get lucky and, you know, have, you know, someone sit next to the candidate on the way out and be like, like, hey, we're going to a bulls game later. Do you want to come? And then they're going to be like, okay, that this is not right. When the interview's done, screen's off and it's like, okay, you're back in the ether with this candidate. Well, when you say deliberate, what does that mean? Yeah. So for us, deliberate means every interview that we do has a purpose. Everybody who's interviewing this person is there for a reason. 
every kind of uh, feedback loop, every communication, every touch point that we have with that person is one that we want to have. And we feel like we need to have so that when we get to the end, we feel like we've done a thorough job. We've left nothing up to chance. And I would imagine like you have a structure around that too. For me, like it's always the meeting starts on time. It ends on time. I'm a big proponent of timing everything out and saying, okay, interview is going to be 45 minutes. You're going to talk to Joe. Joe's going to ask you these four questions and be prepared for it because we need you to go deep on them. So you'd be able to explain exactly what it is you did and how you did it and why you did it. Again, that's what gets really good people to lean in. You having a purpose and you driving toward a, an end goal. I mean, that's impressive, especially for top performers. It's much better than the average, hey, what do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? Tell me about your favorite baseball team. <laughs> I think the other thing that, that we've started to find a lot more is um, this idea of when you start to like walk people through a very deliberate process and you, um, you signal to them what you're doing, you get a really good feel for their ability to prep um, and I think back to the idea of like, we, we need self-starters who are motivated, who are going to chase these things down. We need people who are proactive along the way. When you kind of give them this opportunity to like, you know, show their true colors, it's really obvious, like who's gone home and like read the website and downloaded two case studies or called a friend or like, you know, started to really think about the work that we're doing versus those that just show up and they're like, I can wing it. And you're, and you're like, okay, like I know which one of those two I want. And because I've structured in a way I can actually start to say like, okay, like, here's seed at the end. Do I have a plant or do I have an empty pot? Well, that comes down to managing expectations. If you actually provide somebody with some data as to this is what's going to happen, I always get pushed back on, well, why would I want to tell somebody what our interview questions are? So you can get a really true, accurate depiction of how they're going to work on a daily basis, how they're going to show up. I've given you the ability to prep for it. If you show up unprepped, guess what? Makes it that much easier for me not to hire you. Agreed. And I think as, as we thought about it too, what, one of our biggest fails early on was the first interviewer wouldn't pass information to the second interviewer because everyone's like, I got all interviews separately. And then you tell me what you think. Did you like them? I liked them. And what happens with that is you actually miss like the flag. So person one, like should be like, Hey, by the way, I don't, I don't really understand why you switch jobs four times in three years. I don't really understand. Um, you know, like, like if you really understand, you know, what SEO is or how to interact with customers in the next call, can you make sure you go deep on that? Um, because the reality is like no level one question actually makes or breaks someone's interview. So like I said, tell you all these men ask because I'm just going to follow up seven times to really understand what we're talking about. Um, and I think that, that that's, what, that's what's helpful for us. On the tooling side, we have Slack, Zoom, and Notion. Those are your three recommendations. Those are the big three. Those are the winner, winner, chicken dinner, right? At least for us, yes. <laughs> now, what's the next piece? What else does somebody need to put in place? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that so the, the tools of the infrastructure. Um, it's like having a pizza oven, right? And a pizza mixer, but like, unless you make the pizza, you still got nothing to eat, right? So the, the, the next big thing for us um, is creating dedicated team time um, to connect. Um, and so we're talking right here about a couple things. Uh, we have office hours. Um, we have like offline kind of scheduled team communication and hangouts, um, you know, city hopping. But really how it works is um, every team, we create this idea of office hours for. It's an hour a week, an hour a month when they're just in a Zoom room hanging out. Whoever has questions is going to show up and stop by. Um, and sometimes it's 10 people, sometimes it's zero, but it really helps to have a dedicated place to go where like, man, I have a CS question and like, do I slack it to someone? Can I grab it through the meeting? It's just like a place, you know, you can go to get someone to understand the question. And then things like, you know, we also create time for the team to hang out. So I think that the devs do, I think they, they were doing um, trivia like every other, every other week or uh, the uh, CR team has like, you know, a virtual happy hour. Um, 
but you know, creating opportunities to have more of like a time to hang out, but also to create, you know, hey, if I'm talking to you, I'm more comfortable with you, if I'm more comfortable with you, I can then go ahead and get, you know, that information I need. And then the last cool thing about this is, you know, in Chicago, if everyone was here, they would meet up after work and go to the bar. Now we see things where we have teammates in three cities and they're like, hey, why don't I go crash on your couch this weekend? We'll all come to Tennessee or we'll all go to North Carolina or we'll all go to Texas. So like you see our, like, our team members like actually coordinating this like cross city hangout, which is, is super cool. I'm actually super jealous of it. Never happened for me when I was younger, but um, they, they do a great job. Seems like a lot of fun. <laughs> me neither. Usually when I was crashing on somebody's couch, it wasn't by choice. Right, exactly. <laughs> Hotel fell through again. <laughs> so dedicated team hours. What else? Um, so, you know, I, I, I think the... Um, the, the last big thing here, um, you know, outside the dedicated team connect hours um, is probably the thing about the, you know, the, the deliberate um, information pathways. Um, uh, so thinking about, you know, it, we, we have a core set of knowledge in the company that exists in every different department. Um, how do we get that information out to everybody and then loop it back to the core teams that need it in a very, very deliberate way? Um, and so, you know, to get the information out, um, we do a couple things, right? So intra-team, daily stand-ups to go ahead and communicate uh, message. We have all hands meetings every six weeks. We have, um, you know, a number of uh, different like functional all hands for things like product and sales that are happening on regular cadences. There's kind of these like deliberate information waterfalls where everything kind of makes sure it's going out a number of different ways so everybody can kind of get the information they need. But again, those things all have to be planned, scheduled, the managers, it's very important. They know what and why it's going on to make sure that, that information gets out the right way. Wait, now who's this driven by? Um, so we set it up um, from leadership down. So the leadership team is scheduling all these things, right? It's first, we have all hands every six weeks. We have, you know, founder chats, we have you know, product stand up, we have sales stand up, all, all, all different kinds of meetings that are deliberate to make sure that information is kind of flowing out. And especially remote, you find people need to hear things two, three, four times because everybody's multitasking all the time. So even when you ask them not to, you got to make sure you hit them with information over the head until they get it um, to make sure information gets out the right way. That's getting information out. What about feedback? Yeah. So in the feedback in, that's the second deliberate part. So, um, you know, every kind of one of these kind of uh, sequences and conversations is really designed um, to be set up and to kind of have a feedback loop. So some of our, you know, tighter things like stand up, we're asking for feedback from managers to push things back up to the management team. Some of our, you know, tighter, um, uh, some of our all, all hands meetings like product all hands, they're asking kind of for regular feedback loops or someone's been designated as point to bring feedback to different functional areas. Um, we do some collaboration sessions, um, you know, with different team members that are cross-functional. Um, but again, the idea is that it, it's all very deliberate information is being documented, captured, shared, and then pushed back up on a regular cadence to go ahead and make sure we're kind of creating, again, those same idea, those collisions on a very deliberate basis as opposed to like, man, I hope someone talks to Rick and then Rick tells, you know, Bob and Bob tells David, because if not, David will never know. It's the cadence of the meetings that you set up and the amount of meetings that you set up and the channels. Those three things combined are primarily the things that really create those collisions on a pretty normal basis. Yep, absolutely. So everybody knows what's going on. 100%. And that's critical for transparency. I don't know if you run your organization that way, but a lot of organizations run under transparency, but then they don't convey the information out too well. Yeah, no, I think that's... You know, everybody at the top knows it, but it doesn't get down to the bottom. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, that, that, that's an area that I think we've, we've definitely been trying to get better at because I think 
you know, especially when you're remote, it's really easy to be super transparent with your directs. And then they, there's always a gap of like, should I share this with the teams? The team need to know this. And so we're trying to kind of make sure, especially in the all hands, things that are critical, trying to get everything out. We try to be as transparent as we can, because honestly, I think if you're not, people know these days um, and it, it's easier, right? Like I think uh, one, of, one of my co-founders always says, the best thing about telling the truth is you never have to remember what you said. <laughs> so you can just say it once and be done. We're getting pretty close on time. David, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Yeah, I mean, so I think, you know, that the key theme overall, hopefully what you heard is you got to be very deliberate, right? So when you're remote, if you are deliberate, I think it helps with everything that you do. It also makes your life easier. But again, it's going to, it's how you create connectivity is very deliberately. Um, the second thing is even if you're deliberate, you have to have the proper tools in place to facilitate connectivity because that just makes the lift to get everything done so much easier. Um, and finally, um, you can't force people to want to connect. You can't force them to connect. So being very deliberate about who you want in your org and how that person is going to represent the culture that you want, I think is really important for creating connectivity. To find the right people who want to connect is that last piece that I think is super critical for, for kind of getting those artificial collisions, um, especially in a remote environment. David, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience can find you, find your company, all that good stuff? Absolutely. So the easiest way to find us um, is at acclaimant, A-C-L-A-I-M-A-N-T.com. Uh, we have things like job postings up there, information about our product. Uh, we're hiring for a ton of great positions, front-end sales and back-end, as well as, you know, always looking to talk to customers in heavy industry, um, looking to kind of find ways to be safer and smarter about risk management. So acclaimant.com or check us out on LinkedIn uh, is the best way to get us every time fully remote. And that's what everybody's wanting these days, especially if you're looking for engineers. Bye. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all this shows for you, we want to continue to bring valuable content to you week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Hire, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rick at stridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Jeff Wolf. Jeff is the co-founder and CEO of Velose Energy. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard.